Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. It's wonderful to have the uh, new members. We welcome you. We look forward to worshiping with you and serving God together. It is a a great, great uh, joy and privilege to be a part of God's kingdom and to see God's kingdom expand is one of the greatest purposes that that we have on earth is to encourage each other, to help each other get to heaven. I was not saved to walk this way alone. And it's a beautiful thought to think that we truly can have a huge impact on encouraging others and helping each other get to heaven. And as we look this month to a wonderful theme, we're thinking about with God we can all year. And each month we think about various aspects of with God we can. And so now we think about with God we can grow healthy relationships. And throughout the month of April from time to time we'll be studying about relationships. This morning we'll talk specifically about parenting and think about the relationships that we can help grow not only with our children but especially this morning our children to God. And think about helping our children grow a strong relationship with God. What a wonderful thought for us as Christian parents to have as a goal in our life. We'll also think about our relationship with God this month. And then toward the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month is Friends Day. And so we'll think about our relationship with our friends and making sure that we're growing healthy relationships there. Be looking forward to this week, announcements coming about Friends Day. There's some exciting things in the work and we'll be prepared to announce those things, things to you probably in the mail-out bulletin this week and definitely by next Sunday. But be thinking about who you can invite and who you want to encourage Uh, this month and be praying about that and let's look forward to seeing what great things can be done in the kingdom this month for God's glory. Also, as we think about our themes, we're thinking about the the effort, the hopefully enthusiasm that we're putting in the life of each other to read through the Bible this year. And as we think about our chronological Bible, if you're reading along in that, You know that we have begun recently 1 Samuel, and so this morning's text will come out of 1 Samuel so that we can tie also into that and and relate to things that we're studying. If you haven't uh, been on track lately, hey, now's a good time to get on track. Be sure and pick up one of the uh, schedules in the Member Connect kiosk there, and, and if you have your Bible, the page numbers are there, and if you don't have that, we're reading through First Samuel, Samuel right now, read several pages a day, and let's look forward to learning God's Word together. A dignitary from the East came over and visited America, and he made this observation. He says, what amazes me is how well the parents in America obey their children. You know, when we think about the challenges that we have, I would think in every society, in every culture, there's always been a challenge in raising children. Maybe any of you that have children can think back to that very first time you brought home the very first child. And you think of that huge feeling of responsibility and you do wish that there was an instruction manual that told everything that should be done, step one, step two, and step three. And even though God doesn't give His children with that kind of agenda to say this is step one, step two, and step three, God does give us children and He gives us a very clear agenda. And that agenda is to raise that children ultimately in the way that they would have God as their father, that he would be their God and that they would have a faith on which they can stand and that they would have a direction that they would travel ultimately toward heaven. And that is the greatest and the most purest responsibility that we have as parents. 
contrary to the Sunday bulletin, I'm going to make a little bit of change as I study over this for us to do the justice that needs to be done. What I wanted to do coming out of the first part of 1 Samuel, I want us today to look at two different families. I want us to look at Hannah's son and see the kind of son that she and with the influence of Eli was able to raise. But then tonight I want us to come back and look at Eli's son and see the the sharp contrast between the two to help all of us think about who we are. Now please note this, today as we study, what we're studying can easily be identified with parents raising children, but the truth is Today, what we study can most easily be identified with you as a child of God. Are you growing in this way? So I I want everybody to understand that as we begin this lesson this morning and complete it tonight, there's a much broader application than just parenting that's so, so very important. Now, since we are tying it into the theme of us reading through the scriptures, I want to take just a minute to 90 seconds here and, and lay a little groundwork of some interesting facts that might help you this week as you continue to read through 1 Samuel. You'll notice that as you read through Samuel, it begins with Hannah's prayer. Let's go to the next slide. It begins with Hannah's prayer to, and it will conclude with Saul's death. Now, we're going to see three key characters as we read through 1 Samuel this week. We are already seeing Samuel, which, by the way, is one of the first prophets and the last judge. And it's key to understanding this book, to understand he's the last judge because the people demand a king. And so Saul is given to them and then David. And those are the three characters that you'll be reading about this week in 1 Samuel. But also we see in this, it bridges that gap as we study the history of Israel from the leading through judges to a monarchy rule. And then also if we drop back broader than just the book itself and look at the entire Old Testament history, we see that the book of 1 Samuel gives us great insight to David. And of course, the importance of understanding David is to understand that the lineage of Jesus Christ comes through David. And so we see the beginning of this in 1 Samuel. And then if we were to pick a theme verse, and you know, for an entire book, that's very difficult to do. And so I'm not suggesting to you that we've picked the best one, but uh, we've picked one that no doubt can be an excellent theme book. a theme to this book, and it is where Samuel, as a young man, keeps hearing the voice of the Lord, and in 1 Samuel 3 and 10, he's hearing Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. And we see the great leaders in this book and throughout the Bible, how wonderful their spiritual life was when they had an attitude that says, speak, for your servant hears. And that's the question for each of us. Is that the theme in your life? Do you operate everything about your life saying, speak for your servant hears? What kind of parent am I? Lord, speak. I'll listen to you. I'll do what you want me to do. What kind of neighbor am I? What kind of co-worker? What kind of family member? What kind of church? Uh, a, a, A brother or sister in the church am I? Can I say in everything, I say, Lord, speak for your servant hears? As we consider this this morning, let's consider a man that no doubt he lived his life as one who wanted the Lord's will to be done in his life. As a matter of fact, as we open up 1 Samuel, the first chapter, we see that Hannah wanted a child so desperately that she began to pray to God in such a way that Eli thought that she was drunken. But instead, she was upset and she was desperately praying and she made a vow to God that she would give back the son if he would give her a son. And we see in the very last verse, the first chapter in 28, 
Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. So her prayer was answered. She was given a son. Samuel was born. And, and we see in, in Samuel's birth, after he was weaned, he was given back to the Lord and the rest of his years he would live uh, as a youth in Eli's care, being raised in the temple and being a part of God's work. What I'd like for you to do, I'd like for you to read along with me if you have your Bible open. We will have uh, the, the verses on the screen. And I'd like for you to notice six verses that deal with the growth of Samuel. Now, now think about what we're trying to accomplish. We want to see how is the Bible going to tell us about the growth of Samuel and then see how ultimately this will be the growth that all of us should have in our life. Let's begin, if you will, in the second chapter in verse 11. <clears throat> in the second chapter in verse 11, then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah. The child, and that's talking about Samuel, the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Now we're going to come back and develop these, but think about that. How would Samuel be presented here? As a young child that ministered, that means served, that ministered to the Lord. Now let's drop down and look at verse 18. In verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Now that's interesting. One passage, he ministers to the Lord. Another passage, his very same life is described as he's ministering before the Lord. The Lord is watching him. He sees the life that he's living. Let's go to the third passage. It's in 21st verse of 1 Samuel, the second chapter. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. But notice this last sentence in verse 21. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. And so now the observation is made that this young man that has spent his youth thus far ministering to the Lord and before the Lord is growing. In other words, his life in ministry is increasing. There is an advancement in his life. He's not the same young servant now that he was a year ago. Later on, he'll be a greater servant than what he was a previous year. The idea of increasing as a servant of the Lord is a beautiful thought, not only in adulthood, but it's beautiful as we think about our children moving through adolescence. Now let's read three more passages. Let's look at the second chapter in verse 26. The second chapter in 26. <clears throat> and the child Samuel grew in stature. So we see they grew physically. But notice this other advancement. And in favor both with the Lord and men. This weekend, we have about a hundred young people that are at a retreat. And those young people are talking about being more like Jesus. And they're looking heavily this week at Luke 2 and 52. This sounds very much, as it describes Jesus, it sounds very much as this verse here, where even Samuel grew as a, not only physically, but he also grew in his acceptance among people and among God. A beautiful thought of growth there. But now let's go to the third chapter in verse 10. And we've already mentioned this one, but notice the third chapter in 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. And then finally, as we use this to develop this morning's lesson, look at the third chapter in verse 19 as we see another description of the growth and development of Samuel. So Samuel grew 
and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, notice here as he says, none of the words fell to the ground. He's talking about he was a prophet. And so God would give him a message. And so when it says that he grew here, notice it says he grew and the Lord was with him. So what we have described here is a partnership. He was willing to grow with God and God was willing to work with him. And so as God gave him messages, he was a faithful God. He kept all of those things that he said he would keep. Now, it was interesting to me to go back this week and look at these six occasions in the scriptures where very clearly it talks about the growth in Samuel's life and then think, how could that be an outline to how individually every one of us here ought to be growing? Or if you have children at home, what is it that you can do to be and to create children that are like Samuel, that they too will grow so close to God. Let's look at this next screen, and I'd like for us to think about this for the remainder of our time this morning. Number one, we see purpose. Even youth need to have purpose in life. When we see that it says that he grew and he ministered to the Lord, I'd like for you to turn over in your Bible. We won't have a screen for this, but turn over your Bible to Matthew, the 25th chapter. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, as we think about ministering to the Lord, you remember we have a glimpse of the day of judgment. And so Jesus begins to commend those individuals that did some wonderful things for him. And he talked about that when he was hungry, they fed him. And this is the beginning of verse 35. And when he's thirsty, they gave him drink. And when he's a stranger, they took him in. And when he was naked, they clothed him. And when he was sick, they visited him. When he was in prison, they came into me. And remember, they said, Lord, we never saw you like this, did we? When, when did this happen? And the summary of this is in verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, and as much as you did it, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. So when we think about how are we going to raise our, our children, we need to raise children that find purpose in the fact that their life, even in the adolescent years, is to be a life where they minister to the Lord, where they realize that what they do, they do it as if it were to the Lord. When we think about <clears throat> serving uh, shut-ins, when we think about reaching out to orphans, when we think about helping someone who is in a time of disaster, do we think about the fact that we literally are serving Jesus? When we think about the way we treat a friend, whether it's at school or at work, when we think about the way we interact with our family, now just imagine, we go home this afternoon, we have lunch, we interact with our family. Do we do that in such a way that we realize we are serving the Lord? We can react to them and treat them in a way just as we would treat the Lord. Now, as we think about that, we realize that our greatest purpose in life is to realize that all we do is to the Lord. But notice he did not only say that he grew ministering to the Lord, but he also said he grew ministering before the Lord. Draw back, if you will, to the fifth chapter in verse 16 of Matthew Matthew, the fifth chapter and 16, you probably know this verse pretty well, where he says, let your light so shine before men that they, notice, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Here, we not only see now a purpose, but we see a need for approval. You know, all of us were born in such a way that we need others to believe in us. We need others to accept us. 
But what we need to help our children realize is that the greatest approval that they should seek in their life is to seek God's approval. And so here gives us kind of a litmus test to see how well are we doing at seeking God's approval. Because here he says, I want you to live your life so that when you minister to others and you serve others, they see, notice this, your good works, and what do they do? Now they approve of God. Can we say that the way our children live, people see a better view of God? When your children are at a restaurant eating out, when your children are over at someone else's home, when someone's watching your, your children interact with their siblings, do they walk away and say, you know, I have a better image of God. Do they see our daily life and glorify God? If that's not the case, then our children aren't finding God's approval. Let's think about another example of approval. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why should we study? To find God's approval. Right now, if you could have the ear of God for just a few minutes and God was to reveal to you whether or not He approved or disapproved of the biblical knowledge that your children has, would he say that he approves or disapproves? And not only of the biblical knowledge, but even knowing how to take that biblical knowledge and apply it to life, which begins to describe wisdom. Would he describe your child as a child that knows the Bible and knows how to live his word? You see, this is the approval from God that we ought to seek to say that I want God to find my child approved. And so so as we seek to teach our children the Word of God, we seek to make sure that that Word can be translated into day-to-day living as well. Because remember, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, we're all going to stand before God on the day of judgment. And remember, it's in that setting that he says that we'll give an account for everything, whether it be good or bad, every deed. And so we see the importance of helping our children realize that you have a purpose in life. And the, the, the greatest way to fulfill that purpose is to ask yourself every day, am I living a life that God would approve of? But then notice this motive. And turn back, if you will, to Matthew, the 25th chapter. You know, Matthew, the 25th chapter, gives us two or three stories about the second coming. And in Matthew, the 25th chapter, we have another story that's very familiar to many, and it begins in verse 14. We usually refer to this as a parable of the talents. And as we think about motive, do we see here what Jesus is trying to teach us? He shows us that this man was leaving on a journey and he gave five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one talent to another individual. But notice in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. That's probably one of the most important verses in this story that we sometimes overlook. As a matter of fact, we probably most of the time overlook this. How many times have you studied about the parable of the talents and and have not come back and keyed in on this idea here of responsibility? What should be our motive? Our motive lies in the fact that one day God is going to either reward us or punish us based upon how we used our life. 
Why is that important? Because that great and final day is not the only time that the law of sowing and reaping and grace and forgiveness comes into play. Do you realize that every day you and I live our life as a result of sowing and reaping? I want to ask you something. If you have younger children, and and I want you to imagine, what do you want your child doing at the age of 14? Do you realize that if you do not instill in that child when they're seven, eight, and nine, the proper seed so that they are planting the proper things in their life, so that child is starting to grasp an idea of what their purpose is on this life, and that yes, they do need to seek God's approval. Odds are, by the time they get to be 14, and you're saying, I wish they were really spiritual minded. I wish they were wanting to go on mission trips, not for the fun of it, but because they love souls. Do you realize that That can't happen unless the right seeds are put into place. Because God allows us to sow and grow. And when that happens, what is the parable of the talents? For the one that had five and two talents and used them well, what happened? He gave them more. And so then you say, well, when my child's 18 or 19 and they're leaving home, when my child's 22 or 23 and, and they're graduating from college, what do you want at those, those points in time for your youth? And realize that the only way those things can happen is that the right seeds are put in place so that the right doors are opened up later on. I can tell you that some of the most humbling times out of all the mistakes I've made in parenting, have been the times that I've heard my children pray and thank God for the opportunities that He saw them fulfill in their life. And that's when as a parent we have to bask in a little bit of spiritual success when they realize it's not mama and daddy that gives you a good life. It's not mama and daddy that can get you to heaven. But when a great blessing takes place in their life and they pray and they thank God for the open door, they thank God for giving them the opportunity, they thank God for the resources, then their faith is developing. And then they're starting to grasp the parable of the talents. I have a purpose. I need to seek God's approval. And that becomes the motive in life, believing that the same God that teaches about those parables, like the talent, is the same God that is alive today and He hasn't stopped passing out more opportunities for the people that used the previous opportunities wisely. And He is the same God that says, if you're 12 and 13 years old and you won't use it wisely, I won't give you more opportunities at 15 and 16. You don't use them at 15 and 16. I won't give you more at 18 and 19. You're 45 and 46 and you won't use them. I won't give you more at 50 and 55. Do we believe that that is the same God? Do we believe that He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Friends, when we look at Samuel, we see the growth pattern in his life that he recognized as a child. My life is about ministering to God. Let me tell you what one of my great fears that we do, and I'm not targeting us as a congregation, I'm talking about across the brotherhood. I think we do it to our children. I think we do it throughout adulthood. 
We talk a whole lot about how to train to serve God. We have classes that studies about how to serve God. We have seminars that train us how to serve God. We pray a lot about how to serve God. We even come up with catchy themes and events hoping that people will participate in an effort to serve God. And my fear is sometimes, individually, we never get around to saying, you know what? My whole life is about ministering to God. The way I go to work is about ministering to God. The way I live with my family is about ministering to God. The way I reach out to a neighbor is about ministering to God. That is my whole purpose. And let's make sure that as we train and as we study and as we pray about it, that we go out and we live it on a daily basis. And let's begin that with our children at young ages so that they're not going to events and attending uh, service projects just because it's something to do. But as parents, it's our responsibility to help them learn over time that they're doing it to serve God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every senior we have graduating this year can say, you know, when I was in sixth grade, I went to Rake and Run because all my friends were there. Now I go to Rake and Run because I realize that there's some widows that benefit greatly from that, and that's one way that I can serve God. Listen, Phil is one of the best youth ministers you'll find anywhere in the country. But I promise you, he would tell you, and I'll tell you, he can't raise your children. God didn't give him that job, and it's not his responsibility. He can create many organized and structured events that will give you an opportunity to train your children. But it's up to you as to whether or not you help them learn the motives of why they do things. It's up to you to help them find their purpose in life and why they are to live their life and what it's all to be about. You won't find anywhere in the scriptures that it's the responsibility of anybody. You won't find in the scriptures it's the responsibility of a village to raise your children. What you'll find in the scriptures is the responsibility of mama and daddy to raise their children. And whatever additional resources we get, God bless those resources. But it's up to us to make those decisions and to be very, very intentional. But finally, notice this quickly. As we look about reputation, if you drop back to Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, I'd like to mention that. And remember, this is, we're tying this into the verse that we read earlier where Samuel grew and, and it said that not only did he grow in stature, but he grew in favor with God and men. And so now, if you'll notice on the screen, if you're sitting where you can see it, you see that if we help our child find all these other things of purpose and approval and motive, talking about approval of God, we, we see then that there's going to be a result in life. And the result is that child's going to start developing a reputation. And, and then we look in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, and we have a beautiful verse about reputation. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. As our families are, are being uh, scattered with our society today of, of being a very mobile society, that's not always good. And one of the things that seems to diminish with this is the idea that we have a reputation. As a matter of fact, today, if you start talking to individuals about what reputation that you developed in life, real quickly, somebody will tell you, hey, you shouldn't judge. Now, friends, listen. 
Jesus teaches us that we can judge a tree by its fruit. What we don't judge is someone's motive. What we don't judge is someone's eternal salvation. But we have every... The fact is, we are stupid and naive if we don't judge someone's actions. If someone holds a gun to my head and they say that they're robbing me, I better judge that action. It's a fact. They have a gun to my head. I better judge that. I better figure that out. And I better act accordingly to that if I want to save my life. And so when we think about our children, do you realize it's not sinful judgment when someone looks at your child and says, they are very hard to teach in Bible class. That is reputation is what that is. They are very disrespectful to authority. That is reputation. Oh, I wish I had a class full of them. When we're studying the Bible, they are so hungry to learn. That's reputation. You know, I see them do small things just because they see others with a need. That's reputation. And what did the Lord say? In Proverbs 22 and 1, He says that that kind of name is rather be chosen than great riches. If your child could be, have the fame of Miley Cyrus or, or could, could be an athlete like Jeter, would they choose that over a good reputation? Someone says, preacher, they're just children. That's the question. Have we gotten them to the point that they have grown enough in their faith that they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the most important thing they can have in life is a good reputation. There are no millions and millions of dollars that's more important to a faithful Christian than the name of being a faithful Christian. And it doesn't matter if we're a teenager or if we're middle-aged or retired. The same holds true. How important is it to us of our reputation? Notice, reputation alone is not something you work on. Oh, I've got to start doing things different so I can clean up my reputation. No, we just go back to those previous three things. We work on those previous three things and the reputation takes care of itself. But then also notice the identity. He, re- he cried out, Lord, speak for your servant hears. I-, I-, I spent too much time at the beginning and I regret that because... All I can do is mention this, but it's so important. The adolescent years is where our youth are to find their identity. Now, a lot of youth never find their identity. That's why you have 20 and 30-year-olds that, that they're trying to find their identity and what they drive, what they wear, their plaque on their, their, their office door, the size of their paycheck, and all of that. If we do things right, we find our identity in our teenage years. That's what adolescence, God designed adolescence for that, so we can figure out who we are. What is successful adolescence? Successful adolescence is whenever that child leaves the teenage years and says, as Samuel could say, I'm a servant of God. Who are you? I'm a servant of God. No, I mean, where do you work? Well, I'm a servant of God that works at such and such. I'm a servant of God that goes to school such and such. I'm a servant of God that lives so and so. I'm a servant of God that loves this hobby. But first and foremost, it doesn't matter what else we do in life, our greatest identity is I'm a servant of God. And then finally this morning, notice, he knew that the Lord was with him. He knew that it was a partnership. He grew and the Lord was with him and God's word did not fail. And that's our theme verse for with God we can 
with God, we can become partners with Him. God will be our strength. You remember before Timothy died, he said in verse 16 of 2 Timothy the 4th chapter that everybody forsook him and he stood alone. But then he came back and said, no, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in verse 17. That's what we want. Friends, tonight we'll come back and we'll look at poor Eli's sons. It didn't turn out so well for Eli's sons. And, and we'll look at this contrast and, and simply try to learn what is it that I as a parent, but then what is it we as individuals need to focus on so that we can be what God wants us to be and we can have that healthy relationship in our family and we can have that healthy relationship individually with God. What's your purpose? You realize there's no greater purpose in your life than to serve God. Nothing comes close. Your greatest purpose in life is to serve God. Are you faithfully serving Him? If you haven't been baptized into Him or you have and fallen away, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.